Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ruth chapter 2 this evening. Ruth chapter 2. Anytime I have the opportunity to speak in a church for the first time, I always use the same passage of Scripture and a message that God is continually using in my life. Uh, this is a passage of Scripture that I contemplate, that I think through literally on a weekly basis for myself because there's so much that I'm constantly gleaning and gathering from this for my life, for application within my ministry. Uh, I am a medical missionary. We had the opportunity 16 years ago to start medical missions outreach. And if you weren't there last night, we're basically using our medical, dental, optical, surgical, and physical therapy teams uh, to go into underserved communities in underdeveloped countries and using medicine to, to kind of be a magnet, to draw large numbers of people to a place where we can ethically and compassionately care for them and every single one of those endeavors is simply to point people to Jesus Christ. That's what our ministry is all about. And I can't wait to share more with you about that on Tuesday night. I've enjoyed already hearing the presentations. I can't wait for tomorrow night as well. Uh, God is good to allow us to think and, and, and consider all that's going on in this earth and how we can be uh, 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 used to be a part of getting this gospel message out. In Ruth chapter 2, I love this passage of Scripture. Uh, go down to verse number four with me, and we'll start reading here. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, Hey, the Lord bless thee. Uh, then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over his reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered, said, uh, It's a Moabitish damsel that came back from Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and, and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then Boaz said unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Uh, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here, here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why? Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said to her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work. And a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I love this story. Now, uh, I know you've probably maybe done a study on the book of Ruth. It's a beautiful book. There are so many wonderful things that we can, we can gather from this, this book. I, I love studying. And I know you probably already know the background of this study. You probably already know about this young lady. You know about the hardships that she's faced in life. Uh, you know about how she uh, probably, most likely, had an arranged marriage. Uh, she married a man who was from another country. And probably not long into their marriage, as she's probably still learning his cultures and his customs, and she's probably still learning more about this relationship, this tragedy happens. This tragedy happens where her husband dies, not only her husband, but her brother-in-law dies, and her father-in-law too. 
And here she is left with her sister-in-law and her mother-in-law, and they find themselves in a male-dominated society, and there's no men in their life now, and her mother-in-law comes to her and says, hey, listen, this is, this is horrific. This is the worst thing I could ever imagine. You two girls, you go back home to your people. Go back, remarry. Go do whatever you want to. I'm returning to my country. My heart is completely broken. I'm not sure why God dealt this way with me, but I'm going home to grieve to my people. You feel free to go back the sister-in-law she does, but Ruth, she does it. She makes this wonderful decision. Uh, there must have been something about her family, her, her in-laws. There must have been something about maybe the way they conducted themselves, maybe the things they saw or they talked about in their personal lives. There was something about them that caused Ruth to make this incredible decision in her life where she looks at her mother-in-law, she says, no, wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you lay your head, I'm going to lay my head. Your people, they're going to be my people. And then she uses this beautiful phrase, and your God is going to be my God. She wanted to identify with the one true God, the God of Israel. She had made this decision that there's something about what he's done in your life and the faith that you have. I want that too. And so now she's returned with Naomi. And we find her now in this, this field. She's in this field and she is there working. We know that God and God's economy and how he would take care of everyone from the richest to the poorest. He set aside this, this opportunity for people to go into the field and they would go and glean and they would go behind the people who were reaping the harvest and anything that they dropped, anything that they left behind that was thought of that God intentionally allowed that to fall, leave it there so that the poorest of poor could come and they could work and gather for themselves. And that's where we we find Ruth and Boaz. He comes home and you'll have to forgive me. I'm from Alabama, but when I read this passage of scripture and I get down to verse number five, I can't help but read this in kind of the Alabama vernacular when he looks and goes, good gracious, who's that good looking woman out yonder? And the reapers, they all say, hey, you know who that is. That's Ruth. You remember her story? Oh yeah, I do. I do. I do know her. Oh man. She's the one who placed her faith in God to bring her here and supply all of her needs. She's the one who chose the one true God. She left everything that she knew. She left all those other gods behind her. She claimed us as her people. She's come here to make this her home and, and grow in this faith in God. Uh, he calls her over to himself. He says, now, Ruth, listen, I want to make an agreement with you today. Uh, I want to make what we would maybe today in today's vernacular and maybe a legal terms, we would call, call this a, a quid pro quo. If you'll do this, I'll do that. If you can agree to a couple of things here today in this field, I'm going to make sure that you get the biggest blessings that you could imagine out of this today. Ruth, she bows herself to the ground. This Bible says she's humbled. She's blown away. Why in the world would you do this? I'm a stranger. And he tells her again, it's because the family that you chose to be a part of. Have you ever had one of those moments in life where you just can't help but say, God, why are you so good to me? God, why in the world do you bless me the way you do? I'll never forget being in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso, when a mother brought in her baby. His name was Fataz. I will never forget that name. I will never forget that baby that she placed in my arms. He was starving to death. He was literally, his skin was so taut around his skull, you could see the growth plates in his head. You could see every bone in his body as she handed him to me. And she began to tell me her story and begging me to save her baby's life. I remember taking that baby and I said, could you excuse me for one moment? And I walked to a back room behind our pharmacy and I cried. I said, God, what in the world? God, please, you have to do something here. This is going to take a miracle. There is nothing that we can do. God, you have to do this. And my mind instantly thought, God, I got, I got four fat little piglets at my house. We got food in our cupboards. You've met every need we've ever had. God, why are you so good? 
I believe that God is good to each and every one of us for a purpose. It's not so that we can collect to ourselves. It's so that we can push off on the plate of others to tell of God's great goodness. He's called us to love others. That's what he told his disciples. That's how they'll know who you are. It's by your love. You'll tell them you love them because I've loved you so much you can love other people. And in this passage of scripture, when Boaz is standing before Ruth and he tells her, I want to bless you. I want to be good to you. This is the reason why, because the family you've chosen to be a part of Just agree here and see what I will do. This evening, I want to challenge you that God wants to do the exact same thing in your life today. God wants to enter into this agreement, if you'll allow me to put it that way, that if you can trust him, if you'll step out in faith and you'll follow the directions that he has for your life, he wants to heap blessings into your life. He wants to do miracles that you can't even ask or imagine. God wants to do great things through each and every one of us. And I believe that it will happen in world evangelism. I I believe it'll happen in our families, in our home. I believe that Jesus Christ can make those difference in our lives and cause us to go out and share it with other people. Look at verse number nine, if you will. And let's get this started because I think this is beautiful. When Boaz looks at Ruth and he begins talking to her here, I love how he starts in verse number nine. He says, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Ruth, here's the first part of this. If you want to enter this agreement, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is be focused. Be focused. I I believe the apostle Paul knew something about being focused. When he had a task at hand, when he had something that he was wanting to accomplish, in fact, when he would write other churches, he would tell them, be focused on what God has called you to do. Colossians 3, verse 23, he states, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 2 Thessalonians 3, 13, he says, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Be focused on what God has called you to do. I have to say I'm the same way. When I watch missionary presentations, I've been in my ministry for 16 years, but there's a part of me that says, man, I want to go do that. Man, I want to be a part of that. But you know what? I know what I'm called to do. I know that God has created Joseph Bradley Edmondson to be a medical missionary. That's what I'm called to do. That's what my passion is. That's what I am to do. And he looks at Ruth this day and he says, Ruth, listen, I don't want you to worry about what's going on in the cornfields over there. That's not for you. Ruth, listen, don't worry about the soybeans back over there. That's not for you either. Don't worry about any other field. Don't worry about anything else anywhere. Right here is where I have for you a big blessing in store. You've got to be focused. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this evening, we need more Christians in our churches, more people that have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to just be focused in our service for our King. There's a lot of distractions out there. There are a lot of things pulling us in different directions. We can talk about COVID till we're blue in the face. Anybody else tired of talking about COVID? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I want to talk about the person that can overcome COVID. I want to talk about the person that can lift people out of depression. I want to tell people about the one that can clean souls, much less the clean hands, all those things that Jesus Christ can do. That's what I want to talk about. We need Christians today who will just be focused. God, I believe that you're... You're calling me to be a part of the bus ministry. Be focused in that. God, I feel like you've you've, you've challenged my heart this week that I want to be involved in maybe teaching a Sunday school class. Be focused. Be focused. Ruth, it's right here, right here in front of you. Don't worry about anything else. Be focused on this task at hand. I hope that when you pick up each one of these missionaries' prayer cards that you pray for them to be focused on the field that they're called to, that nothing else will distract them. There's a lot of distractions from missionaries. I hope that you're praying for your pastor, that he'll be focused on the field that God has given to him right here, right? Because you know what? There's a lot of distractions around us that our heart will be solely focused, that we will be passionate 
about accomplishing what God has called each and every one of us individually to do. But it wasn't just that. As he looks at Ruth, as he's telling her, he says, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go thou after them. I love this because he tells her, he says, listen, I not only want you to be focused, but I want you to be following them. Now he's the owner of the field, right? That's what I'm gathering from this. He's the owner of the field. If anybody had authority, it was, it was Boaz. He could have looked at his guys and said, hey, fellas, hey, fellas, all y'all out there that's been working all morning, come back over here for a second and bring your bag full with you. He could have asked each one of them to come over and reach out of their bag and fill Ruth's bag on the spot. He could have done that, but he didn't choose to do it that way. He chose to tell Ruth, this is your responsibility. This is how the blessings are going to come to you. You be focused and you be following. You go out there and you do the work. There's no doubt that the God of all creation could cause the rocks and the trees to crowd his name, couldn't he? Even Jesus Christ, if he wanted to, he could have called legions of angels out of heaven if he wanted to. And everybody would have bowed the knee. Everybody would have believed immediately. But he chose the venue. He chose the, the avenue, if you will, of allowing us this opportunity to be a part of this ministry of getting the gospel out. He's called us to do it. We need to be passionate. We need to be focused. And we need to be following the plan that he has for our lives individually. I like this. As the psalmist teaches us, my soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. Psalm 63, verse 8, he was going to passionately follow after what God has for him. I love my life verses of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I love 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Listen, I hope you understand that what he's trying to teach you here is you have to be focused. This is my field and I've got to be following. I've actually got to get out there and do the work. So if God is calling you to teach that Sunday school class, give it everything you got. Study. Study, get a lesson together that those folks are going to be blessed whenever you're able to sit down and impart the things that God has taught you from his word. When God calls you to be that choir member, get up here, throw your head back and sing. Let them hear God's praises coming from your voice. Hey, whenever God gives you that opportunity to go and, and serve in a nursing home or go on the door-to-door -door visitation, whatever it may be, be passionately pursuing what God has called you to do. We've got enough people who sit on the sidelines we got enough people who are, just, who, are, who, are, who are willing to just let everyone else do it for them. It's time we get everybody on deck here. We need everyone. I tell people all the time, if you're a medical professional, you might hear me say this again on Tuesday night. If you're a medical professional, that's a God-given skill set. It is, because not everybody can handle the blood and the guts and the sights and the smells of medicine. They can't do it. I've seen it before. We were in Kenya, Africa. <laughs> we were going to cut a, a cyst off a man's head. And asked this teenager that was interested in medicine to hold the flashlight up over while we were doing it. As soon as that scalpel touched the skin and that started to go across, the light went out. He was out cold on the floor. He's ready to change his major that day. It's not for everybody. But listen, I'm going to tell you what. Isn't it amazing how you can take that skill that God gave you? You probably earn a good living by it. He's probably given you a good job. Isn't it amazing that this week I'm here to tell you, you can take that skill set and use it for Jesus Christ and see hundreds, hundreds of souls change direction from an eternity in hell to an eternity in heaven. 
It doesn't matter what your skill set is. It doesn't matter what your qualifications is. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You can take what God has given you and passionately use it for God's glory to see lives change for eternity. And we need people who will say, I'll do it. Hey, Ruth, listen, when you get out there, it's going to be hot. Girl, we're in the Middle East. You're wearing those long flowing robes that are traditional. You're going to be carrying that sack around. You're going to be bending down, picking it up, putting it in there. Bending down, picking it up, putting it in there. And as you keep going, it's going to get heavier. It's going to get heavier. It's going to be a long day that you're out there. Just keep on going. Hey, listen, are you discouraged? We've all been there. Hey, are you ready to quit? Don't. Hey, have you stopped? Get back up. We need everybody being passionate we need everybody focused. We need everybody pursuing. We need everybody following what God's plan is for your life. Matthew 16, verse 24, Then Jesus said unto the disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Because there's great things in store. Great things in store. Okay, Ruth, here's the deal I want to make with you. Listen, you'll go out there and you'll just be focused that this is the field. Don't go anywhere else. And if you'll just follow them as they're going out there and you just start gathering up, there's going to be plenty out here. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm willing to do because he keeps on going. He says, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? Hey, Ruth, I'll keep you safe. I get the question all the time, Bradley, do you ever get nervous going into some of the countries you work in? Do you ever get nervous about some of those, the, the situations that you've been in? I am more scared of Baltimore traffic than I am anywhere else in the rest of this world. I live in a war zone. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm safer wherever God wants me to be than any place I could ever desire. Um, a lot of times when we leave to go on a missions trip, I'll, I'll have my, my oldest son, Noah, I'll call him into the room and I'll say, Noah, you're, you're the man of the house. While poppy has gone, you're the man, all right? You take care of everybody, you keep everybody straight. And I usually will tell him, and Noah, listen, if I don't come home this time, it's okay. It really is okay. It's, it, it's going to be fine because it doesn't matter what they do to this body, they can't touch my soul. I'm safe, I'm secure in Jesus Christ. I got nothing to worry about. Hey, Ruth, listen, when you get out there in this field, it's a male-dominated society. It's nothing for these men to raise a hand to you. It's nothing for them to want to push you down if you get too close to the work they're doing. But, oh, no, you make sure they understand. I And they do know, trust me, I'm the one who's given you permission to be here. So don't you worry when you go to Indonesia, when you go to India, when you go to Peru, when you go to Paraguay. I'll take care of you because I'm sending you there. I own this field. I'm calling you to serve there. Don't you worry about it. If God's called you to Newport Beach, if he's called you to the ministries around here, don't you worry about anything. You let him take care of your security. If God's calling your loving daughter or son into the ministry, you let him go. Let Jesus Christ use them for his glory because they're safer with him than they could be anywhere else. This I recall to mind. Therefore have a hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Oh man, great is our faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, while I hope in him, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, according to Hebrews 13, verse 6. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. All right, here you go. This is the only story I got for this. I was in Haiti after the earthquake. 
we had taken an orthopedic trauma team down. We were doing surgeries round the clock down there. We had gone outside the walls of the hospital, and, and if you've ever been to a, a developing country, you'll know that they have usually a hospital, and then they'll have a concrete wall that's usually about 10, 12 feet tall around the building there. And we were outside that wall, and we were triaging patients. We were trying to just kind of establish a little bit of order in the chaos there. And all of a sudden, these four men come riding up on mopeds. They had uh, like NBA jerseys on and chains. I called them Hades Angels. Uh, they came riding up there, and... Uh, um, we had some guys with us that had government homeland security clearance. They were there as our security detail. And one of the guys came up to me and he said, hey, Bradley, uh, we're about to get robbed. He said, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever we're about to get robbed. I said, okay. I said, is there any way that you can just keep them occupied for a minute? Let me get all of our team inside the walls of the hospital. Just get them into safety. They can have our stuff. It's not a big deal. So he goes over, he starts to distract them. I'll go to our team. I said, hey, everybody, uh, we're going to take a break. Everybody just right now, just get up from your station, go into the, into the walls of the hospital, get some water, hydrate yourself. I'll stay out here with your stuff. It'll be fine. Just go in there for about 10 minutes, and we're going to come right back out here. As we're, everybody's kind of filing and, and going into the walls of the hospital, all of a sudden you could see behind the back wall just dust flowing over the walls. Uh, there was a road back there. So there was a vehicle traveling pretty fast across that back road. All of a sudden, the dust is getting closer around the wall and comes around the corner, and it's some Humvees come flying up. They all slam on brakes, and the doors open up, and these American soldiers all pop out. One of them comes over. He says, who's in charge here? I said, well, I am. He said, "Uh, we're from the 82nd Airborne, and we're on a NATO peacekeeping mission, and you're in our security zone. I said, man, God sent y'all right on time. He said, are you nervous about these fellows over here? I said, actually, yeah. I said, we, we have reason to believe that they, they might have been, you know, looking at some of our stuff to take with them. He said, let me talk to them and we'll deal with it. He went over and used some military terms that I can't repeat in mixed company. And he said some things to them. And the next thing you know, they got on their mopeds and they were gone. That's it, y'all. I hate to disappoint you. God's been good. I've been given the missions for 16 or 20 years of our marriage. Faith promise, tithing. I haven't missed a meal. Sorry, I can't, I can't give you any dramatic stories. I can't tell you that I've ever had to miss out on anything because God's been good. I'm sorry if you're looking for something dramatic, I can't give it to you because God keeps his word. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And when he looks at Ruth that day and he says, Ruth, if you'll just get out there and you go after it, you go do what you need to do, you get this taken care of, you can guarantee that I will keep you safe. Just go and do what I'm asking you to do. But then he doesn't even end there. He keeps on going, have I not charged, uh, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And, and when thou art a thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Hey, Ruth. Remember, I was telling you, I need you to be passionate about this. I need you to go out there and get to work. It's going to be hard work, and it's hot, and you're going to get tired. Listen, when you get thirsty, Ruth, water's already ready. I'll supply. I'll keep you safe, Ruth, and I will supply what you need. Oh, my goodness. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What's keeping you back? I'm serious. Right now, you think of it. What's keeping you back? What's keeping you back from being more involved in the ministries right here at Liberty? What's keeping you back from committing to being a part of something where you've heard the need, whether it's in the nursery, the children's program, the the music program, whatever it may be, what's keeping you back? Give it over to God and watch him supply. Watch him supply. What's keeping you back from taking that commitment card and saying, God, I want to watch you do something great because you own the field. You own the bank accounts. You own it all. I wouldn't have anything, God, if it wasn't for you. So, God, I'm willing to step out in faith, and I'm going to write down exactly what you lay on my heart. What's keeping you back? Because I want to tell you right now, he will supply your needs. Ruth, get out there. Listen, you be focused. You start following them. And I promise you, I will keep you safe. I will supply all of your needs. Church member this evening, get out there. Go to the harvest because it's plentiful. There are blessings abounding out there. Get out there and serve. Get out there and follow his plan for your life. And witness the incredible miracles that will come. Uh, I hate to do this to you, but can we skip ahead a little bit? Go to verse number 23. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean. Look at the next three words. Unto the end. Unto the end. I'm out there, Boaz. I'm I'm willing to stay. I'll come every day. As long as it takes, I'm going to be out there and doing my part. Because this is what you've given me. This is the opportunity that's been laid right here at my feet. You do realize that she was taking these things home and she was even supplying for someone else besides herself. She had a mother-in-law at home dependent on her and the work she was doing. A husband, father, I hope you understand there's a family at home that's depending on you to go after what God's called you to do. Your single mother in here, you have those children, they're, they're, they're dependent on you, watching you go and follow what God's plan is for your life. Seeking what he will give you, what opportunities he's going to lay at your feet, open doors that he's given to you to go after him. And may God find us faithful unto the end. I have no idea what will be put on my tombstone one day. I really don't even know where I'm going to be buried at. We talked about that one time. I ain't got a clue. I wouldn't mind being buried in Alabama, but I don't know what will happen. I really don't care. I just hope I am faithful to the end. Whether they put it on my tombstone or not, I hope I am. I hope God will give each and every one of us the boldness, the courage, the passion to stay at it. Following that plan that he has for us. And every one of us is so unique. Every one of us is so different. Every one of us can reach different people. You have people in your, your, your scope. You have people that are, are in your, your, your field that I'll never even meet. I probably would never even have the opportunity and I probably don't even have the inroad like you do to start the gospel presentation with your family, with your neighbor, with your coworker. You do. That's your field. Go after it. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter how hard it may be. 
Don't get intimidated if it's someone's marriage on the rocks and they just need someone to pray with them and to love them and help them through it. Don't be intimidated when it's that person that's looking for help with a a wayward child. Don't you worry about if it's that person that comes that's got the track marks maybe all over them and they got an addiction that they're, they're having a hard time defeating. You go with them with Jesus Christ and you reach them for his glory, for his honor, for his sake. It's your field. Stay at it until the end. Be faithful to what God's called you to do. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.